Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. sermon series this summer is on summer packing list. We're exploring spiritual disciplines that uh, we'd like people to take with them on their summer travels or whether here in Los Angeles or Pasadena or San Marino or wherever you travel, take these spiritual disciplines with us. Now, Jessica Von Lower began this series two weeks ago and her, summer, her spiritual discipline was meditation. Today, the spiritual discipline that Jessica assigned to me is fasting. I got fasting on Father's Day. Doesn't that seem like an oxymoron to you? Seems like on Father's Day you should be having a big steak and a glass of red wine that your kids have cooked for you and made for you, but but I got fasting. But don't dismiss fasting too quickly, because I tell you the truth, God's got a message today for every one of us that is life-changing if we will let God in. Listen for the Word of God in Matthew chapter 6, 16 to 18, from the message by Eugene Peterson. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He will reward you well. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, on this Father's Day, we hope and pray that we would understand you are a loving father, a loving mother, a loving nurturer, who loves us more than we love ourselves. And therefore, O God, may something in this message inspire us to let you in. May we focus more in our lives on the important and not so much on the urgent. To that end, pour through me, please, the gift of preaching, that these words might not be my human words or human opinions, but by a miracle of your grace, these words might become your living word to us. We know they will be, O God, for we pray with anticipation and boldness in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And may all God's people say, Amen. Do you know the word FOMO and what it means? FOMO is really an acronym meaning fear of missing out. Here's an example of FOMO. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and two people are seated across from one another and they're really not talking to each other? They're both on their devices. Have you ever seen this? They're on their devices and there's a fear of missing out as if the real action is somewhere else over there 
and the action right here is not very important. FOMO means fear of missing out, that somewhere somebody is having a good time and I'm not a part of it. And so we stick so close to our devices, our iPhones and so forth, that we don't want to miss what somebody is texting us or tweeting us or giving to us on social media. We want to be a part of it because we fear we're going to miss out. It's an anxiety-producing illness. But, but FOMO often means we miss the people we are with. On this Father's Day, I wonder how many fathers and grandfathers feel like they've been a time in your life when you missed your kids or your grandkids. I wonder how many children are missing their parents or grandparents. I, I wonder how many married couples just, just miss each other. You're, you're going different directions. I, I wonder how many people who used to have such a close friendship, you're just missing each other i got to tell you, the older I get, the more I realize that actually the best definition of a close relationship is when you are with people, when you are with people. Do you know some people who are just not with you when they're with you? Oh, they're with you physically, but they're not with you. They're on their device or doing something else or watching a show, but they're not with you. And then do you know other people who when you are with them, They give you their undivided attention, and they're with you when they are with you. Technology is wonderful. We couldn't have made it through COVID without technology. The the streaming video and all the things technology opened up actually made it possible for us to live through COVID. Technology makes it possible for us to multitask, to listen to a podcast while we're driving the car. Technology makes it possible for us to stay in close touch with each other and and have an access to information at our fingertips. It's wonderful. But friends, let me warn you that the danger of technology is if we're not careful, technology can take over a whole life. These devices can almost become our God. On May 31st, the Pope uh, issued a pastoral letter uh, through the Roman Catholic Church to all the Roman Catholics all over the world, and frankly, he was writing it to all the followers of Jesus all over the world, and the Pope was giving people advice, and his advice was, detach from your devices for a certain time every day so that you can attach to God every day. And what the Pope said he's worried about is he's worried that we become people of the screen. We're so people of the screen that we actually miss the people who are around us, and we're actually missing God. He's also worried that we have a tendency to work 24-7. We can have emails late at night or early in the morning. We can work from anywhere, and it's wonderful. But the Pope is then worried, do we ever have a Sabbath day? Do we ever have a day of rest where, where we really can rest and relax and enjoy our family, enjoy ourselves, and enjoy God? The Pope's worried about lack of Sabbath and rest in our society, and that we're a society who's going without sleep. And the Pope's greatest worry, he said, was that we're becoming, listen to this, shallow people. We've lost our ability to think critically. We don't know what it means to think deeply. And the Pope said, there are major issues in our world today that demand the deepest thinking of our best minds and people who can talk to one another and listen to one another and help to solve some of these critical issues in our society. But we've lost our ability to think deeply. We're not deep people anymore. We are shallow people And the Pope said, we're missing silence. We're missing reflection. We're missing focusing on the meaning of life. 
We're missing, he says, missing God. Food is wonderful and it's essential for living, isn't it? Technology is actually essential for living in many ways. But in Jesus' day, the reason that he recommended that people fast, which many of them did, notice Jesus didn't say, if you uh, take time of an appetite-denying discipline, he said, when you practice an appetite-denying discipline. In other words, many people in Jesus' day were practicing fasting was the discipline he was referring to. Socrates and Plato fasted, Jesus fasted, John the Baptist fasted, and people down through church history, Martin Luther and John Calvin and Dorothy Day, the Catholic workers' movement, they all fasted. Mother Teresa fasted because they knew there was something about denying an appetite so that you could concentrate on the meaning of life. You could concentrate on God. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you fast from food so you can feast on faith. You forget what is urgent, or you think is urgent, and you focus on what is important. So the practice of fasting was actually this. You would take the time you would have spent preparing the food, cooking the food, eating the food, cleaning up from the food for one meal, and take that time and focus on God. Jesus referred to it, and followers of him, as moving fast toward God, not moving fast toward food, but moving fast toward God. Jesus meant that fasting was a discipline. You need food. He wasn't denying that. He was just saying, for a time, deny yourself from food so that you can focus on God. In fact, the night before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, do you know what he did? He fasted and he prayed all night knowing that God would give him guidance as to which 12 disciples he should choose. Jesus didn't want to miss God's voice. And Jesus said, not if you practice it, but when you practice it. And what he's saying is, don't call great attention to yourself. The Pharisees, when they would fast, they did it on Mondays and Thursdays, which were market days, so everybody could say, oh, see them in the marketplace, and they're fasting. They were disheveled. Oh, the poor Pharisees, they're going without food. They're so close to God. They're so religious. But Jesus said, don't call great attention to yourself. Comb your hair, wash your face, brush your teeth. Don't let anybody else know it, because if you do, you'll have your reward from them. But do it so your God who sees in secret will reward you. And you know what the reward is? for spending time with God. You know what the reward is? You get God. A God who can give you guidance. A God who can give you wisdom. A God who can give you direction. A God who can give you love. So this morning I want to share with you a recommendation that grew out of what I read from the Pope and what I read from Jesus in this text. And It's a recommendation I've given a lot of thought and prayer to because I know this is a very busy congregation, a very plugged-in congregation, a very influential congregation, but, but I'd like to suggest that you take some time every day to unplug from your device. I can hear you saying, wait, what? But I can hear you saying that, but I want you to take a moment and unplug every day for 30 minutes or more. What if you turned off, and I turned off, the 24-hour news cycle. We get so much news, so much, frankly, misinformation. What if we just turned it off for a time? What if we took the time we would have spent with technology and our phones and our screens, and, and what if we focused that time on God? What I'm suggesting and recommending to you is something 
something I try to do myself, to take 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes for Scripture, 10 minutes for talking to God, 10 minutes to listen to God. This has helped me so much. 10 minutes to take a time of Scripture. Do you know between now and Labor Day, you could read all the letters of Paul if you just read a half a chapter a day. If you read a half a chapter a day, you could take the book of Luke, and Luke wrote Luke, the Gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts, and you could read Luke and Acts and learn about the early church, learn about the Gospel of Jesus, his life. If you just read a little over half a chapter a day between now and Labor Day, you could have a feast on God, and God doesn't want anybody to miss that. But here's another thing. Take 10 minutes and talk to God. Tell God the deepest desires of your heart. Tell God where you're stuck. Is anybody stuck? You're not sure what to do, where to go from here, what to do? Well, take time to talk to God. Tell God where you're stuck, and then take 10 minutes to listen to God. One of the greatest revelations in my life was learning that God will speak to us if we will listen. Now, I'm not saying an audible voice. I'm just saying when I pray to God and ask God, God, I'm stuck, do you have anything, do you have any advice for me? God, what do you want to say to me about Suzanne and our two sons, Ryan and Toby, and our, our grandchildren? What do you want to say to me about the mentoring work I do with these young preachers or how I do working at San Marino? What do you want to say to me, Lord? When I say that, I get some creative ideas and I start writing them down, and it saved me hours of pain. In the, in the hymn we're going to sing in just a moment at the end of the service, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, there's this great little stanza, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Are you talking to God, getting it off your chest? And are you listening to God for what God may be saying to you about your future, about a decision you've got to make, about a relationship where you seem stuck? Many of you know that I have the privilege of mentoring some young preachers across America. It's a great gift to be able to do it. I have 28 people that I mentor in some way across America, from California to Virginia and from, from Michigan down to Texas. It's, it's an amazing ministry, but I have the privilege of mentoring them, and they're in small groups, and they're really mentoring one another, and frankly, they're mentoring me, but, but one of the people in the group is a young woman, and she's so gifted. She's been at her church seven years. She is so gifted that now churches across America, she's become a great preacher they're calling her up and saying, would you come to our church and be the pastor? And she said to me not long ago, Tom, I don't know whether to go to another church. I'm getting these offers. I also don't know what God has in store for me at, at my church. I reminded her of a man named Arthur Adams, who was a professor at Princeton Seminary, who said when I was there, he said, you know, you could spend 40 years in the ministry and only deal with the things that come across your desk, like the church newsletter and the bulletin and the, the, the hymns for Sunday and the sermon and, and the funerals and the weddings. Just deal with all the stuff that comes to you. And you might never ask the question, God, why did you lead me to this church? So I said, Don, why don't you, your name is Don, D-A-W-N, why, why don't you ask God why God brought you to this church? Why don't you spend a day, take a vision day, Ask God to give you guidance and direction about should you stay, should you go, and what's God's vision for your church? She said, well, how would I structure that? I said, I'm not sure, but, but I'll tell you what. I'll give you a passage of Scripture. I'll give you three questions to ask, and you do the rest. Let God do the rest. She said, well, I'll try it, and she did. 
She said, I'm going to take the morning. Then she said, no, I think I'll take a day. Then she said, no, I think maybe I'll take the whole day. I said, Dawn, do whatever you want, but, but sometime I'd love to check in and find out how you're doing. So after she had done this for four hours of listening to God and walking her land and property and listening to the city and listening to the Bible and listening to these three questions, she had so many ideas. She called me at noon, noon, 12 o'clock at her time and 9 o'clock my time. She said, Tom, I've got so many ideas for ministry. I never realized God had all this vision for this church in South Carolina. I can't afford to leave here. There's so much God wants me to do here. And to think I might have missed this if I hadn't taken time to listen to God. Dawn was stuck. She didn't know what to do. Now she's got so many ideas. She doesn't ever want to leave that church. She's got so many creative ideas. Is anybody here stuck? You just don't know what to do in the retirement stage, or you just don't know what to do about an illness, or you don't know what to do about a relationship, or you don't know what to do about your future career. What if you take a vision day, a day when you listen to God, talk to God, study Scripture, and what if you said, God, I really want to know what you want me to do with the rest of my life? I'm telling you, God has a creative imagination, and God will share God's creative imagination with you, and wouldn't it have been a tragedy if Dawn had missed what God had in store for her? She shared her vision with the session of her church. They said, Dawn, these ideas are incredible. Tell me about that vision day again. What did you do? What was the passage you read? What were the questions you were asking? They want to do it for their businesses. They want to do it for their lives. She said to me, Tom, this could be your side hustle. You could charge money for this. You could charge money for the, for the questions and the scripture passage. I said, Don, I'm way too old to be hustling now. I can't afford to hustle. But it was amazing what happened to her and her elders all because she listened. Are we listening to God Here's the truth. God's more eager to share with us about our future than we are to listen. God's more eager to hear from us our concerns of our heart than we are to tell God. If we just opened ourselves to God, it's amazing what God has in store for us. Some years ago, Suzanne and I and Toby took our oldest son, Ryan, to the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, where he was going to be a plebe. He had to start plebe summer. It's a six-week program of really torture, and they do push-ups and sit-ups and run in the mud and run in the middle of the night, and all hours of the day and night, they're on the beck and call of the people who are in charge of it, and it's a tough time, tough way to enter the Naval Academy, but Ryan wanted to go to Navy. He got in. He was accepted. He looked forward to it, and the day came when we flew from Texas where we lived to Philadelphia and we rented a car and we toured some places in New Jersey, went to the beach, had a great time. But then came the moment we had to let our son go. And those of you who've had to do this, it's not an easy thing to do to let him go, but we let him go. And we had planned a vacation with Toby, our other son, so we could have time with him. And then we planned for me to do a wedding in Charlotte, North Carolina, where some of our dearest friends, and that would be good. And then we'd fly home to Houston after a few days with our friends. Well, when we got to the Naval Academy, the superintendent said, now, you know, this, this plebe summer is grueling, and it's so grueling that, uh, you know, your kids can't call you for a time, but when they are able to call, they're going to be really upset, maybe mad, maybe angry. They're going to need a lot to get off their chest. So I hope everybody can be home. A week from Sunday, 
at 12 noon, they can call you. So they'll probably be calling you between 12 and 1.30. Now remember, this is in the era before cell phones, when everybody had all these iPhones and cell phones. So we had to be home to get our answer our home phone. And so we realized that we were going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina on a Saturday night wedding. There was no way to fly home, and we checked every flight to get back to Texas, and we tried to figure out how to fly to Philadelphia and get our original flight home. We couldn't do that in time. And so finally, the only thing we could do was, after the wedding was over, we, we put Toby on a plane back to Texas, but then, then we, we went and we said goodbye to our, our friends, hugged them and kissed them, and we drove all night from Philadelphia, from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Philadelphia. It was 529 miles, because we didn't want to miss that phone call. And we drove all night, got in a little before 6 in the morning, put our bags in the plane, got on the plane, made the flight, flew to Houston, got out of the plane. A friend picked us up. We went home, got to our, stood by the phone. I went out to get breakfast. And at 12.30, Ryan called. We were steeled for the worst. We thought he was going to say, Mom and Dad, I'm... I want to quit the Naval Academy. I, I hate the Navy. That's what we were expecting. We were expecting him to say, I've had the worst two weeks of my whole life, but we didn't want to miss our boy sharing this news with us, whatever it was. So Suzanne answered the phone. She said, hi, Ryan. How are you doing? We're steeled for the worst. And Ryan said, I'm fine, Mom. I thought, for this, we drove all night. And he said, I'm actually doing great. I'm having a good time. I'm doing well. It's hard work, but I'm having a touch. It's not easy, but I'm doing well. It's great. And we would do it again. We'd do it all over again, 529 miles in the middle of the night. You know why? Because that kid on the other end of the phone was not just anybody. That kid was our boy. <laughs> He's our son. So we didn't want to miss what he had to say now. You get the point. If, if parents will drive all night to hear their son say he's fine, what will God do to hear you and me? God will drive all night to hear us. God will go to the ends of the earth. God went to the cross to die for us. And God raised Jesus from the dead so that we'd have constant communication. That's the length that God's willing to go because God loves us. Don't miss the opportunity to share with God your life and to hear from God about your future. Don't miss it. So I want to close this sermon by coining a new word. The new word is not FOMO, F-O-M-O, -O, fear of missing out. The new word is FOMOG. Now, just stand with me here. FOMOG is what Jesus says. FOMO, F-O-M-O, -O, is what the world says, fear of missing out of things. But God says, I want everyone to develop FOMOG, fear of missing out on God. Because God doesn't want to miss us. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.